Hello and welcome to the Time to Ride podcast with me, Simon, the spokesman Macrath. This week, my guests are Toby Cummins and Deb John from the Cold Dark North. Hi there. Well, first, let me just welcome you both to Time to Ride. It's lovely to see you both. Thank you. Let me take you back five years, 2016. How on earth does a girl from Wales and a guy from down south come together to create Cold Dark North? Do you want to tell that one, Deb? <laughs> <laughs> I think it was serendipity, wasn't it? I think we, fir- we first met up via hot chili through mutual friends. And I don't know. I think it was just a, a, a series of happy coincidences of riding together, talking about what we wanted to do. And Toby had, had some really good ideas and things that I really liked about doing rides in the north, maybe doing holidays, although it did change. But Toby can talk to you about his idea of it. Yeah, I mean, I think when we first started talking about it, Deb's right, we, we, we definitely came to know each other through um, mutual friends we'd both met uh, doing events with a company called Hot Chili, who did the kind of the original London to Paris, much copied now, um, which I'd done a couple of times. And I think Deb had done their Alpine Challenge event as well. Yeah. Um, and we had some we had some mutual friends and, and we kind of when I moved north, which was six years ago, um, Deb was a, a friendly ear and, a, and a, a welcome ride partner through the club that we were both member of at the time, which was a loon. Um, and yeah, I, I think originally the ideas that we were kind of coming up with were around trying to, I think, replicate the kind of fancy Rafa holiday type experience, but in the in the northwest. Um, I think we very quickly realised that a we didn't have a van. Neither of us is a mechanic. We haven't got a place with 10 twin bedrooms. And uh, whilst Deb is a very accomplished chef, we, we didn't necessarily have the skills we'd need to be able to make it work uh, for either of us. Um, so we kind of quickly moved away from that. But by then we'd kind of, you know, we sort of come up with the brand. We'd done a bit on Instagram. We'd kind of built a website. We, you know, played around with it a bit. And our, our brand has always been very kind of playful and a bit sarcastic and a bit chippy. Um, so we'd kind of come up with all that stuff and we thought, well, what can we do with it? And then we thought, well, Deb was, Deb was doing um, lots of uh, organizing of races, um, uh, reli- uh, reliability rides, uh, had recently sort of taken on, in fact, actually Deb, I'll let you talk about this, but had taken on Cape and Ray Road Race, which obviously has quite a, an esteemed history in the Northwest. Um, and we just thought, well, why don't we do that? And I'll carry on doing the, the fun branding stuff and playing around with all that stuff, the photography. Deb can do all the serious stuff. We decided that I'd, I'd do the brand and she'd be head of racing and going fast, um, which she does much better than I do, both in terms of her actual riding and in terms of organising things. So, yeah, we just we just it kind of grown organically from there, really. It really did, yeah. Let me just take a step back there, because I remember riding and racing Cape and Ray Road Race, I mean, many moons ago. Um, I know I don't look it, but, I'm, you know, I'm quite old, so... How did you two come <laughs> to actually organise and run Cape and Ricks? I'm right in believing, I think Loon used to run it years ago. And how have you two come to be running it now? Um, and, and I know it's not just the Cape and Ray Road race, and I'll come into the, the other two races that you organise as well. But 
the Capenway Road Race, it's a, it's a tough old road race. Round, anybody that lives around here or anybody that's raced um, Capenway knows how difficult it really is. Debs, how do you... Oh, do... absolutely. I raced it. <laughs> I've also raced it. So, yeah, it I, is. It's a really difficult road race. I haven't raced it, but I do live at the bottom of Sunnybank, which is the main climb on the course, so I know the course very well. well as a sprinter, it's torturous. Um, it's an absolute yeah, beast. It's like it's one that you know I, I yeah. remember vividly, but for all the wrong reasons. It's like this is not a course for me. Um, it makes Westland Tankard look easy. It, it is. It is a really hilly course. I think the loon ran it and they ran it for a number of years. They did, they, it's also held the um, Women's National Junior Road Race Championships back in the day that Laura Trott won. So, you know, it's got quite a, quite a history of, of great women winning or riding it. And then it just had men's races for a number of years after that. And then the loon kind of let it go and it was taken on by Graham Atkinson for a year, that's all he could run it for. And then he was looking for somebody else and he just mentioned it to me because we worked together down at Saltaire because I'm a com down there. And I said, oh, I'd like to have a go. And got in touch with British Cycling, said to Toby, what do you think, Toby? Shall we do this? And Toby was just, yeah, yeah, let's do it. And really it was just fantastic. We had such a great time. And of, of course, our first we, we ran a women's and a men's race. And our first women woman winner was Lizzie Banks, who has now gone on to win, you know, two stages of the Giro. Just fantastic. So that's how we got into it. And after that, we just couldn't stop and took on more national masters for women, national masters for men, and more if I could possibly do it. it, it it's... It's strange that when you say national masters and both men's and women's, it's like, wow, we've got local people running national races. And it just, it puts a smile on my face because people say, oh, you know, road racing's dead and buried and it's, and time trialing's dying on its feet. It's not. It, it's, I think we just need a little bit more no, publicity no, sometimes. Um, you know, we all look back in, in the halcyon think, days, yeah. but it's, it's, I think we've got the, the real halcyon days ahead of us. I agree. I totally agree. And I think this kind of grassroots racing is so important and so exciting that if this, if you don't get this right and you don't get a pathway from this to other things, then you won't get a pathway into world tour teams. I mean, there's a, there's a number of people who've ridden Cape and Ray who are now on world tour teams. So, and they didn't even win Cape and Ray. So, you know, it's, it's, it's an impressive starter race. They must have been sprinters. That's all I can say. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. We had, we had, um, we had Matt Holmes the other year who didn't, didn't win at Cape and Ray, and then within twelve months had won a stage of the Tour the the King stage, the uh, sorry Queen stage of the uh, Tour Down Under. Yeah, it's true, and and of course James Gullen has ridden Cape and Ray. He's won the Tour of Taiwan, the Ra- the Ras, local lad, National Hill Climb champion. So it's it's got you know it's always a race that people want to do at the beginning of the season. 
to test their legs, to see how they're going. You've just named I two think. riders there, James Gull and Jack Puller. And we've obviously got James Knox and we've got young Ben Granger now that's over at Zappi, yeah. where James used to be. Oh, yeah. And I'll go back to the, the, the years that I was racing. You could name on one hand the, the number of riders that were that good. Now they're household names that just roll off the tongue. And you're thinking, wow, it is, you know cycling in this country is just going ballistic and i know there's a lot more people out there riding but the quality of races now and i i i don't think i would enjoy you know half as much nowadays because i'd be getting beaten up every time i turn the wheel it's like these guys are these guys are good and i see jack and james going out nowadays and they can still Put the gas. Down. Oh, they're still very good. Oh, it's, uh, well, they're absolutely. actually they're they're about to do uh, they're about to do a coast to coast. The two of them are about to do a coast to coast and back, I think, and try and try and get a record. So they're actually uh, ex pros in training, which I think is always a very dangerous category. Um, certainly very frightening whenever I see them out on the road. Usually, thankfully, going in the opposite direction, so I don't have to worry about them coming past me at pace. Well, just for anybody that's listening, oh, I've put- been overtaken by James a number of times. Well, you're not the yeah. only person to get overtaken by James, because I was just about no. to... <laughs> no, in time trials. Um, for anybody that's <laughs> listening, um, James Gullen, everybody thinks that Bradley Wiggins holds the course record on Levens. Absolutely. And James doesn't. Gullen went and blew it out the water. Um, yeah. Yeah, didn't just beat it, but blew it out the water. Um, so that's putting things into a context. And I know that he holds the course record on the Milnthorpe course run by Kent Valley. And I don't think that will ever get beaten. I'm, I swear to this day, he's got, got tucked in behind a horse box somewhere because it's like, wow, what a time <laughs> on an absolute beast of a 10 course. It really is not a pleasant course at all. Um, no, it's not. <laughs> Let me take another step back. Um, Toby, can you, the ethos behind Cold Dark North? Um, for anybody that's listening and ha- isn't familiar with the brand, um, where can we find you? And like I say, what's the ethos behind the whole setup? Uh, the second question is really easy to answer. So where can't you find us? We're pretty much everywhere. Um, mostly through Instagram. Yeah, mostly I do all the branding side of things. As I say, Deb, Deb does all the important stuff, like running the races and making sure that we're uh, we're a proper operation. But um, yeah, no, I run all the fun stuff. So yeah, we're on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. Not so much on Twitter actually these days. Um, most mostly Instagram, Facebook, um, and we got a little bit of presence on Strava. We do quite a lot of work with uh, another mapping uh, platform called Commute as well. So if you if you're ever looking for routes, there's Lots and lots of collections of our routes. I think I've found about eight or nine hundred routes on Kamut. So um, one of the things that we, or I quite regularly do, is is offer to plan routes for people because, as we all know, if you know someone who knows the roads around a place where you're going and you don't know where you're going, it's always better to get someone local who knows what they're doing, or might have ridden it to to kind of give you a few tips. So yeah, I, I do a lot of that. And the ethos of our brand, well, the, the name comes from something uh, my mum used to call this part of the world when we first moved up here she actually referred to it as the frozen north um but yeah we developed that into the cold dark north and it's obviously um as everyone who lives up here knows intended to be entirely tongue-in-cheek because we live in the most beautiful part of the country um it is a little bit colder than the south and it does rain 170 odd days a year 
Um, but that's why it's so green and so beautiful when it's not raining. Um, and actually, uh, when we first started out, I was looking back um, the other day at some of our first posts. We, we started out doing everything, probably another harping back to the, uh, the Rafa thing. We started out with lots of very kind of very dark, moody, monotone photography of, of all these kind of harsh environments in which we ride bikes. Um, over the last couple of years, we've definitely added a bit of colour to that. Um, and uh, at the moment, we're kind of pushing this this green heart, blue heart thing, which is you know the grass and the sky. And when you look at the photography that's on our various social media sites and indeed the countryside around us, the best days, it's green and it's blue and it's wonderful to look at. And that's kind of what we're all about. Uh, you know, obviously on the racing side, we're about putting on top quality events that people enjoy coming to. Um, you know, that comes from the race manuals that we put together, the experience for the riders, the comms, the volunteers, everybody who gets involved on a race day, uh, you know, to make sure that's a great event. Um, we put them on, on proper courses where it's hard, like Cape and Ray, like Oak and Clough, um, where we've held the Masters uh, a few times over the last couple of years. You know, they're not easy courses. And we don't put the finish on the straight flat bit. We put it at the top of a really nasty, stabby, oh, bastard nice. hill. Um, so that's the kind of the racing side. And then and then just generally, you know, as I say, we're, we're a slightly chippy, slightly tongue-in-cheek, slightly sarcastic brand, I suppose. Um, you know, we're out there to support riding in the Northwest, to promote it. The, the, one of the first things we came up with was, was bugger bike boxes and budget flights. Come to the Northwest. If you're sitting on a five grand carbon bike in London, riding around Regent's Park and planning your trip to Mallorca or Girona. Don't bother, get on a train and in two hours you can be riding in the Dales or the Lakes, uh, or maybe three hours, I suppose, once you've got off the train and found your cleats. Um, so yeah, you know, we, that, that was the idea. And then we've grown to kind of represent lots of different things over time. So through the racing side of things, primarily we've, we've taken a lot of impetus on trying to promote women's racing. And, and promote women's riding. We did that in various different ways. You know, we've, we've always offered uh, equal prize money um, for men and women. I'll let Deb talk about that more in, in a second. But, you know, a couple of years ago, we did a, we did a kit launch um, with uh, some more friends of ours called Atticus, who make a really nice bespoke kit. Um, we did a launch with them and, and we sent all the profits that we made, which, you know, wasn't a huge sum of money, but a not insignificant chunk of cash. We sent that to... Racing Chance Foundation and Ride Like a Girl to try and promote women's cycling and women's racing. Um, and, and that will always be a key part of what we're about. So, you know, we're, we're generally here to try and promote cycling in the Northwest, here to try and encourage people to come here and have a great experience, encourage people to race and enjoy the racing that we put on. Yeah, and, and to get involved in the racing because people are, you know, if they want to get involved and they contact me, then there's all we always need some help on race days and and it's great to have new people involved and some of the people who are involved with us aren't actually cyclists but they really enjoy the whole buzz that's on at that time and I have to say I do too I've missed racing more than I can tell you over the last year just so so much I'm really looking forward to it starting again enormously Tubbs touched on it there. Um, equality in prize money. It's quite a contentious issue. And it's a conversation we shouldn't be having, to be honest with you. But it, it makes me smile so much when I hear you say that it's equal prize money um, for men and women, um, girls and boys races, whatever. It's Because there's, there's people having to crowdfund 
to, to, to make it equal at the moment. This is ridiculous. It's some of the most exciting racing to be watched at the moment is the women's cycling. Um, and it, it's like, is it something that you were very aware of or have you made a very conscious effort to, to no, make it? I, I, I would kind of like to say that it was, it was never even a consideration that it would not be something we did. It was just, you know, in the DNA of the whole thing. We didn't even have to talk about it or decide on it. It wasn't an issue. And I think we both like that to be the way the way it is. It's not something that people that organizers even think about. It's just, well, that's the way it is. So it's institutionalized rather than rather than like sometimes, oh, aren't we good because we've done that? It's why should you even think about doing other? So and actually, yeah. in, in, the, in the same sense of our slightly chippy, sarcastic approach to things, we actually run, when we run the Women's Masters National Championship, we also run a, a men's undercard race on the day. So, you know, it's very much the men supporting the women rather than the other way around. Oh, that's but it's, yeah, it's really good. And, and in the races, you know, you have to give a call out to the guy, to the comms and the NEGs. I mean, I, wor I worry sometimes and I really would like to somehow encourage more women to get involved in that because the guys I work with, they're so experienced, they're so incredible, um, but they are getting older now and I don't see younger people moving into being a road com, being a, being a circuit com like I am, is not so difficult. But when you're in a peloton and you're riding around and it's not a closed road, it takes skills. And these are volunteers, and more and more, we need more people with those skills, women and men. But I would like to see more women joining the infrastructure. I think one of the most respected commissaires that we ever had was um, over in the Northeast. I was riding the Beaumont Trophy, and I forget her name, but she barked out of the car that if anybody crosses over that central white line one more time, they're getting pulled out of the race. And do you know what? Nobody went over that white line. It's like, you are not going to argue with this lady. Um, and I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just had a, she was just a very good commissaire or we just had the respect of her. That's the thing. Um, and I, it's very difficult because I, I always said, oh, when I stop racing, I want to get involved a little bit more. But I haven't stopped racing yet. And it's like, maybe one day my body will let go and it's like, you, you're not going to do this anymore but it's like, I can't see me stopping uh, anytime soon. It might only be a few odd 10 mile time trials and the odd criterion down at Saltaire, but um, who knows up in Glasgow. Well, you got the, you got the, uh, you got the men's masters to do this year as well, Simon, don't forget. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll have to pull my finger out. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to set up a business as well. And it's like, oh yeah, so many balls. It's, 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 a, Sorry? it's on Oakenclough again. So you'll, it's on Oakenclough yeah. again. So you'll enjoy it. That, that means a few hills, doesn't it? I'm going to have to get up Shap and what have you a bit more often. I mean, I have to, I have to admit to you that one of the reasons we hold it at the top of the hill is also because if there's a sprint finish, it comes just off a downhill on Open Club. But if there's a sprint finish, it's really hard to judge it because we don't have electronic timing or anything like that. If it's a hill finish, it's much easier for the judges and you're less likely to have a crash at the end. That so was good. That was a practical reason. That was going to be my next comment was it's safer having an uphill finish. It might not be to not my suiting, but it's a little bit safer in, we'll call it the amateur ranks. Um, 
let's divert our conversation from the racing side of things and bring it back to the general public. And I see that you advertise on the website, reliability rides, the end of season rides. How can people find out about these? Because that's where I think a lot of our cycling infrastructure is emanating from. And people that get involved in these kind of rides might be tempted to go and ride um, a criterium down at Saltaire might be tempted to go and try an introductory time trial um, with their local club. Um, how can they find out about these rides? Toby? So I would say we're, we're, relatively, we're, we're relatively infrequent in the kind of social events, if you like, that we put on. But when we do, we make a big song and dance about it. So uh, we have some experience. And again, a, a race that we, uh, sorry, not a race, a ride that we kind of put on in conjunction with the Loon. Uh, back in the day was the, the kind of well-known coal road reliability ride um, and you know we, we got involved in that and then we, we kind of stopped doing that and started doing our own thing we actually only managed to do one last year when uh, when Covid struck we, we actually just we had to cancel because of the uh, the storm and I forget which name it was in in February of last year um, and postponed by a month and then we managed to do the the as it was called the rerun reliability unreliability ride um which we managed to get out the week before we went into lockdown so we you know we, we not had the best of luck with those but we we have had some fantastic end of season rides where uh really really and i think i can say this is a southerner proper northern conditions you know where it's blowing a gale and it's raining sideways and it's you know two degrees even without the wind chill uh we've managed a couple of those one in november and then one in october which wasn't much better um, and we tend to get a you know, fantastic number of brands supporting us and giving us raffle prizes that we can give out at the end. You know, bit of a heart back to the, the, the halcyon days of cycling, as you say, have the raffle at the end. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're hoping, you know, obviously at the moment, it's really difficult to say what we're going to do uh, in terms of social rides, because actually large scale gatherings of people for social events is quite, is quite hard at the moment. Um, we we have a relationship um, with Ribble Cycles, um, who are just opening a new, uh, I think I can say, I think Katie Cookborough mentioned it on her vlog the other day. So I think it's public knowledge. They're, they're about to open a, an amazing new showroom space in Clitheroe. Um, and I think our hope is at some point towards the end of this summer and into the into the autumn, we'll be doing some, some rides from that location, possibly from some other locations. Um, and that might be that might be road. It might be mixed surface. Um, I think both of us would quite like to run a a kind of road cyclocross adventure type social ride at some point. Um, but yeah, I mean, we we if we're doing something, we shout about it. So if you follow us on social media, you won't fail to notice if we're about to put a ride on. So that answers my next question. Yeah. yeah, just any any of the social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, yeah. then they're the major two. I think that I I witness everything on twitter not so much we happen to be giving away prizes at our events they're often they're often things that we've made and um, hopefully that people can enjoy one of my favorites is the kind of play on the graphic uh, the north is ace um and it doesn't need me to explain to anybody i don't need to mention anybody else's names unless they want to come and sponsor me but it's uh, <laughs> the, the north gives it away but it's I, I just like the way that you've kind of played on their graphic and it just made me chuckle a little bit so yes um, yeah as i say it's all it's it's all good it's all good uh, friendly banter i suppose they'd call it well they probably wouldn't call it but we would <laughs> yeah um 
just something that's come to my attention recently is when you've been going out and we're, we're, we're on the kind of cusp of being able to go out in um, group rides organised through clubs that are officiated and um, associated with British cycling, um, groups of 15, but still keeping that social distance. But it's the great recovery ride. And I thought, what a lovely play on words and what a great way to get people go- get out there again. What What is the ethos behind that, Deb? Well, this is Toby's idea, really, which I think is great. It's just brilliant. So I'm going to let him talk about it. It's really nothing more than those of us that ride socially primarily will know the, the beauty of being able to, especially on a nice warm spring summer's day, being able to stop for a cup of coffee or a you know a juice and a, and a nice slab of cake. And I do mean a slab of cake from some of the cafes that we uh, we regularly frequent. Um you know they've had a they've had a really tough we've all had a really tough time for the last 12 months but i think you know hospitality industry yeah. has suffered hugely I, you know I, I was talking to uh i won't name which cafe but one of the cafe owners in the in the lakes um based around windermere and i was saying you know, i was pitching the idea to him just saying you know do you think this is a good idea do you, does this you know do you feel good about this is this something that you would support and he said you know what we're going to be absolutely swarming with people this summer and spring. We're not going to struggle for, you know, we don't need lots of cyclists to come to us because we're going to be really busy. We'd love to see them. You know, we're really happy to have them here, but actually, you know, we're not going to need them. But, you know, and he was saying, you know, the the cafes that are out in the middle of nowhere in the Dales um, or in the, you know, in the far reaches of the Western Lakes or even in the forest, you know, that they're going to, they're going to still need big groups of cyclists once we can come. Um, and so many of them are brilliantly set up for large groups of cyclists, you know. Um, so, yeah, we, we again, slightly COVID influenced. Just before COVID kicked in last year, we, we launched this map. It's a kind of interactive map of CAFs in the Northwest. Not all of them, by any means. Might not include your favourite, but it's certainly the ones that we know and love um, and friends of friends have recommended. Um, so the, the recovery ride is really just uh, obviously play on words for recovery ride, both for the, the nation's economy and those cafes and also just generally as cyclists, we like a nice recovery ride. So we've said uh, we, we produce some little pin badges, little um, kind of one and a half inch pin badges and said, look, if you go and ride and, and go to any of the two cafes that are on the on the map, send us some pictures, tag us on some social media and we'll send you a little badge to say well done and We've also said, and I've actually said this in person this week to one of the cafes because I went there on one of my lunchtime rides. Look, if you know if you want a badge, we'll happily send you one for free. You don't have to go and see any other cafes. <laughs> well, contrary to most cyclists' beliefs, uh, I'm, I'm going to name Tom Pidcock here, who apparently doesn't drink tea, doesn't drink coffee. That's the only cyclist that I have known in history not to drink tea or coffee. Um, and he looked bewildered when it was he was confronted with the question. So it's, you know, it's, it's, I think it's my, one of my staples is a strong black espresso. It's, yeah. Double one of that. Well, we, uh, we, it would have been, it would have been probably too expensive for us to say, look, you've only got to go to one of these calves on your ride. So we've said, you know, you've got to, you've got, it's got to be a double calf. It's got to be a proper ride. <laughs> yeah. You don't, we, we haven't actually said that you have to stop and have cake at both, but you know, just get a photo of both. Um, so, you know, it's easy for people to plan their routes or if people want help, I'm happy to help them plan routes around those calves. They're dotted. I mean, I think at last count, they're about 75 on the map. So there's plenty of them there in far flung corners of the of the northwest. Do you have a list um, uh, like a, um, an index of these calves, Toby? Are they listed anywhere? 
yeah, so it's a, it's an interactive Google map, um, which I can share the link with you if you want to put it in the details for the for the podcast. Or it's very easy to remember. It's just um, bit so bit dot ly forward slash, and then it's low calf knowledge with a capital L and a capital K for knowledge. Um, as I say, there's about seventy five of them. They're on a map. You can look at them there, and then there's various blog posts that we put out that have got probably not a complete list because I'm always adding calves to it as well. I've added about six or seven in the last week because of people contacting me to say, how, how come this calf isn't on the list? It's outrageous. I go there every week. And I'm like, well, if I haven't been there, then I can't necessarily vouch for it. But if they're a friend of a friend, it's fine. <laughs> well, as I've just seen in the press today, uh, just to digress a little bit, that uh, it's official that the Paris-Roubaix has been cancelled from Sunday 11th. Um, well, not cancelled, it's been yeah. postponed uh, into October the 2nd. So anybody that's listening to the podcast and wasn't sure if Paris-Roubaix was going ahead or not, it has just been postponed till October, which I think it will make for an even more interesting race because the chances are we might get a wet one, which we've all, as a cyclist, we've all been hankering for a wet Paris-Roubaix for a long time. Um, it yeah. means that other guys might be coming in and out of fitness. Uh, well, out of fitness. These are pro riders. They'll just change their kind of timetable, won't they? But uh, mm. yeah, um, but there's going to be there's going to be a lot of postponements around. We've 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 got one race. One of our races is is without a date at the moment. Deb will be able to talk about that a bit more. Well, Cape and Ray, we 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 postponed it anyway from when it usually runs, which is the end of March, and we postponed it until the twentieth of June. And of course. You can only start running road races at the moment on the 21st of June. So talk about bad luck if they just made it. So we really have to find another date in an already packed calendar. But we will, because I think that, to be honest, the races we've held, which we hold the Masters in July and August, they have been biblical in the weather. I mean biblical, in August, they look like you're in the middle of winter. So there's a good chance if we have to run Cape and Ray much later in the year, we might actually get really good weather for it. Because October <laughs> and November sounds pretty balmy to me in terms of weather. So, yeah. Well, fingers crossed. Uh, Absolutely. Although the math, the women's and men's masters are already in the calendar, they're not out for entry yet because I think British Cycling, rightly, are being just a bit wary of putting things out that are so far in the future, just to see what happens when we open up. Crits will start on the 12th of, they can be from the 12th of April, but at that time, only 30 minutes and 30 people and then from the 17th of May, and then non-ranking. From the 17th of May, the numbers go up, the time goes up, and ranking points start. But it's still a little bit iffy about road races because they're harder to contain. So we have to see how that goes. Well, it just leaves me to say um, thank you very much, Toby and Debs, uh, for coming in and taking part in the podcast. Um, have a fantastic season. And I look, forward oh, to see, I look forward to seeing you out there very soon. Um, who knows? You might see you on the start line in August. You might drag me onto Oaken Clough yet again. I've, I've raced on there before. And it's, uh, yeah, let's see if... Uh... Maybe you start at Salt Air and I'll definitely see you there. Yeah, I like Salt Air. That was my last win. Um, in fact, it was my last race <laughs> and it was my last win. And um, I haven't hung my wheels up 
it's just I've got a few other things in the pipeline. So yeah, I'm sure I'll get down to Good. the crits this year. That's for sure. Thank you very much. Okay. Cheers, guys. Thanks, Thank for you. Thanks for having us. Have a great Bye. Easter. Take care. Bye. Bye. And, and, and you, you happy Easter. And Bye. Bye. This week's Time to Ride podcast was brought to you by The Spokesman, Bespoke Bicycle Wheel Building and Bicycle Wheel Repairs, and The Cold Dark North.